Mayor Womp, great to have you here. And I guess my first question would be, how are things going in the mayor's office? Any lawsuits this week? No new ones. No new ones. Good. Well, we're already improving. <laughs> I guess let's start with the um, the controversy of the week. Last week was the uh, the handicap ramp, the temporary handicap ramp that was installed for the Christmas tree lighting. Um, the Christmas tree, I have to say, looks beautiful. Uh, the ramp. Is, is Has that controversy been addressed? Well, there was no controversy. That was uh, a resourceful exercise on the part of uh, county maintenance. And I'd say here's my frustration with the situation I inherited um, in which a few people have hunkered down, created a fiefdom, as I've described it, in the legal department, the county attorney's office, um, it really, uh, in a situation like that ramp, it dishonors the great work, the real diligent public service of the people who work across county general government, right? So I come in and say, hey, let's create a new community tradition. We're going to celebrate Christmas with a tree lighting, kick off the holidays. And then unbeknownst to me, because it makes sense, the county courthouse over 100 years old the lawn of the courthouse is raised right it was built up that way prior to uh, uh the federal law changing ada yeah before ada was a thing and so unbeknownst to me uh, john agan who's a brilliant uh, engineer and and the, the leader of the county's maintenance department uh goes to build a ramp that can be reusable uh so that Folks with strollers or people with disabilities in a wheelchair could access the lawn, and uh, and so the you know the frustrating thing there, and the reason there's no drama except the drama that Reuben Taylor continues to create, is that um, we build ramps like that before. In fact, a ramp like that one was on the other side of the courthouse for six months. Nobody ever asked a question about it, and so uh, you know the fact that Reuben Taylor effectively tattletailed on his co-workers. It wasn't an affront to me. I don't care. You know me well enough to know I don't care. And the people <laughs> listening don't care about a ramp. But what it did is it offended the hardworking men and women in the maintenance department who had designed and helped construct this ramp just to do a public service. Is this another example? I, I don't know if this is how it played out, but I, I, I've seen this to be the case too many times, too, where was this... You know, a minor issue like this, if it is going to be made an issue, was it brought to your attention or your office's attention personally? Or is it another one of these things where you find out about it four days later in the media? Oh, yeah. We found out about it in the media. That was the whole point, right? It was a point to make the attempt was to make me look bad. But the problem is, again, like I'm wired a little differently. I don't mind a bad story, especially if it's a cheap, cheap shot. Again, like we're just having a good time inviting the community to the lawn of the courthouse, I'm not worried about a ramp. In fact, what a strange uh, way to try to make your fellow co-workers, in the case of the maintenance department, or even me, look bad, right? That we would be trying to gain, give access to all members of the community to the courthouse lawn. So it's a real misfire. It, uh, I think it exacerbated a significant distrust that exists within county government of the county attorney. And so in that way, it was uh, mi like mildly entertaining, mostly frustrating that he would be so petty. But, uh, you know, we, uh, we still have the ramp. We'll use the ramp again. How about that?
The wow. Ramp, the ramp is... So de- the ramp stays. The ramp is deconstructed. That's how it was designed. <laughs> it was designed in <laughs> a very fiscally responsible manner <laughs> so that it could be deconstructed. No kidding. It's at... That ramp is at the, the county maintenance facility. Mm-hmm. And in the spring, when we do another big event on the lawn of the courthouse, I want to gather... Pe- we, we don't gather enough as a community, frankly. I mean, mm-hmm. you and I have spent hours and hours and hours in the last 10 years talking about how this country fixates on the things that divide us mm-hmm. and uh, and particularly coming out of covid i think we need to be more intentional about mm-hmm. gathering remembering all the things we have in common and that courthouse lawn for over a century in fact going back to the courthouse that sat there prior has been a place of gathering and uh, we're going to continue to do that and we'll uh, we'll even use that controversial ramp again <laughs> right the uh the ongoing beef with the county attorney, where do we stand now? Uh, okay, the uh, so the laptop and that, uh, whose position is that in? The legal fees and the lawsuits that are still out there. Uh, who's suing who? Who's countersuing who? And, you know, we get comments, we get texts and phone calls all the time from people who say, you know, the taxpayers are on the hook for these stupid, frivolous lawsuits. These guys should be able to figure out their differences without the taxpayer having to pay for it. So take a minute here to just give an update. Well, we were sued by Reuben Taylor. I was sued as county mayor by Reuben Taylor. And so we had to respond. We did respond in kind. And we're hopeful that that's adjudicated pretty quickly. We're not, this is not a trial. I would also say to members of the community, this is not frivolous. You have years and years, decades of mismanagement in that office to the tune of millions of dollars, no accountability, completely different set of standards than exists across county government. Uh, the ability to effectively conduct uh, a private business inside of a county office, uh, complete negligence when it comes to county purchasing rules. And so what we're sorting out, and unfortunately it, it ended up in the court system, what we're sorting out is our ability to rid the county of uh, of of these this is the downside of tradition i gave a speech to rotary last week and i talked about how one of my observations a few months in is that there's tradition all throughout county government much of which is good and really to be commended and preserved some of which is bad and i'd say you know you know pretty obvious symbolic example of that is in the county attorney's office where uh, where you do have you know this is attitude of rules for thee but not for me and uh, and so we're just trying to straighten it up it doesn't have to be personal uh, it's been made to be personal there's been some petty uh, issues like the ramp but I, I really don't believe it's frivolous because the the sheer volume of budget overages uh, outside counsel that's been hired with no accountability I mean a million dollars to one attorney uh, with no oversight, no approval, the county mayor never has signed a contract. Uh, th- these aren't issues that are frivolous. In fact, if we can get to a point where we can restructure the legal department, it will save the county inevitably millions of dollars in the decades to come. Two six seven one zero two three is our telephone line. Our guest here, Hamilton County Mayor Weston Womp. John is on the telephone line. John, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Uh, I'd like to speak to the Democrats. Have you seen pictures of the border? John, um, we've got the Republican mayor of the county in the studio. I asked John. Last I checked, I don't think he has any. You want to talk to the mayor, is that correct? And he said, yes, that's correct. But he gives me that same speech (laughs) six times a week, and I don't let him on the air because I've heard it five times already. Well, Mayor Womp, as the Democratic mayor of the border... 
Do you have anything to say about this? Unless he's talking about the Bradley County, Hamilton County border, which you would have. A... I live closer to the Marion County border. Maybe that's really the yeah. A lot of illegal Marion County residents pouring over the border there. Yeah, yeah, keep yeah the Cummings Highway if, if uh, 24's backed up. <laughs> All right, here we go. We have some real issues on the text line. And folks, please, you know, honestly, the time that we have with the mayor is, is uh, short enough. We have an hour here, so... No disrespect, but please don't waste our time with silly, frivolous phone calls. Uh, this texter says, for Mayor Womp, what can he do about the 911 center being one of the lowest paid 911 centers in the United States? There are now 65 people short, people leaving to make more money at various places, 17 bucks an hour, not a good pay for people in that line of work. All employees are working 16-hour shifts now and suffering severe burnout. Is this an issue that's on your radar? Yeah, I mean, the folks that work at 911 are incredible public servants. I mean, you talk about overlooked but life saving work. And our 911 district, despite pay deficiencies, has been an, uh, a leader across the country, an innovator, uh, just in the process of hiring a new director. The uh, longtime director, John Sturmer, just announced his retirement. And, um, and I am hopeful that the district will. Uh, will take every effort to bring those pay levels in line. And I think some of it may require some creativity, like uh, Sheriff Garrett and I exercised in providing a historic pay raise to the sheriff's office and corrections, de- corrections deputies. Um, and so that's something that we'll take a look at in the new year. The Hamilton County Communications District is not directly a function of county government. I appoint the members of the board but it is an independent 911 emergency uh, district, and so that's not a decision I can make unilaterally. Mm. But it's an example. The same is true in EMS. I'm trying to find a way. Uh, you, you talk about uh, some of the unsung heroes in our community. We run a consolidated ambulance service full of EMTs and paramedics who, if you've got an issue, if somebody's shot, if an elderly person falls, if you have a heart attack, it doesn't matter whether you're in Saudi Daisy or in Alton Park, a Hamilton County ambulance is going to come to save your life. And, um, and, and that's another group of people who are woefully underpaid. Hmm. Uh, Mayor Coppinger uh, provided a significant pay increase recently, but we want to continue to find a way to honor these, uh, these everyday heroes. It's just one of the challenges is uh, that you know, the world has experienced uh, you know, kind of once-in-a-generation inflation. Everything costs more. A lot of these public servants weren't paid handsomely prior to a huge inflation spike, and I recognize that they and their families are uh, you know, they're, they're struggling in many cases. David, you have a question for the mayor. Yeah, good morning. Um, I'd like to say first that, that I fully support the mayor in uh, this um, ousting the county attorney and and replacing him. My question is, though, I think Mayor Womp has said that he would like to put Gerald Webb into that position. And I I just wonder, you know, Gerald Webb, as a a sitting judge, two times failed to get his continuing education done and had to be replaced on the bench until he could meet that requirement. And then he was also... um, sanctioned at some point by the state uh, Supreme Court or the state Judicial Review Board for um, trying to help tell uh, shoplifters how to be more efficient. Um, and so I just wonder why that choice of a replacement uh, when some of his judgments seem to have been 
maybe not so sound in the past. Thanks for the phone call, David. Mayor Walt? Well, first of all, um, one of the unfortunate parts of how the Reuben-Taylor deal has gone down is that um, coming into office, I'd been told that Reuben was ready to retire. This is kind of the full story, and this will answer the caller's question. I had been told during the transition into office that Reuben was ready to retire, and um, so my chief of staff and I sat down with him and offered for him to design his own transition uh, out of the county attorney's office, told him I'd like to appoint um, my own county attorney. That conversation, which obviously was a private conversation, ended up being reported in the news within a few days. So there's your first kind of breach of trust between Reuben Taylor and I. The first conversation I had with him ended up in the media. Uh, I've never spoken publicly until right now, actually, about Gerald Webb. I admire Gerald Webb, appreciate him and his family, great leaders in this community. Gerald's one of the most prominent Brainerd grads uh, in our community and, and a real leader, I hope, moving forward. Um, you know, I mean, the caller pointed out some of um, Gerald's prior uh, mistakes, a couple, you know, professional uh, infractions there. Uh, anybody who knows Gerald knows he's an upstanding guy. I doubt very seriously at this point Gerald would want to be the county attorney. I mean, there's, uh, you know, there's a certain uh, amount of uh, drama involved. Um, and so, you know, when we get to a point here uh, in the months ahead where we're appointing uh, a county attorney, I've talked to a lot of the members of the county commission. That's a position I'll appoint and the county commission will have to confirm. And, um, and so there will be, a, a, you know, I think on an appropriate level, a collaboration um, you know, with the with the chairman and others in advance. And um, I'll say this. I mean, I, I think, uh, again, Gerald Webb, like I have, has made some mistakes. I hope that, uh, you know, with leaders like Gerald who have big upside for our community, who've overcome odds that, frankly, at, you know, places like Brainerd High School are not all that common to overcome, that we would lift him up into some kind of position of leadership. The stadium development on the south side of town, something that you have been opposed to, um, still opposed to, at least as of the last time uh, we talked with you. You had concerns about the cost of this, concerns about the viability of it. Uh, the Times Street Press had an article out uh, just two days ago, I believe it was, um, questioning, you know, inflation costs and construction costs, what kind of an effect inflation might have on the development of this new stadium project. I don't know if you uh, have any thoughts on that, had a chance to check out that piece, or any opinion on it. Yeah, so this is an example of how I was telling you during the break that you know one of my only frustrations talking about the Reuben Taylor situation is that it distracts from the 98% of our efforts day-to-day, which range from we've been negotiating a couple of the biggest economic development deals, I think, in the history of the region. We've worked very closely with the superintendent of schools over the last few weeks to flesh out and propose full funding for Titan Academy, which is going to be, I think, one of the most inspirational education projects this community's seen in my lifetime. Uh, we've got ongoing searches for a new director of Parks and Rec. I think early in the new year, we'll have big announcements in terms of investments we want to make into uh, conservation and public spaces in the county. There's all these different things we're working on day to day. And, uh, you know, they may not get the headlines. We're going to launch uh, in January or February the most significant planning initiative 
affecting the unincorporated parts of the county in the history of the county, right? I mean, from Sale Creek to Appison to Harrison, you know, down to Ottawa, there will be a, a, a carve-out for the Middle Valley, back of Signal Mountain area. So there's all sorts of, I think, major initiatives we have underway. Some of them are the kind of things you get started, but you don't announce them for a few months. You know, the, the South Broad Project, something that any given week takes some of our time, hasn't made uh, headlines recently. But we've, um, you know, we've tried to work constructively with Mayor Kelly and his team to tighten that project. I mean, one of the reasons that there haven't been many headlines related to that project is because it was rushed on such a fast timeline before I got into office that, you know, they've had to come back around and dot a lot of the I's, cross a lot of T's. I don't know how, you know, just de- dealing with the Tyner project that the county, uh, you, you know, will be voting for final approval on uh, in two days. I don't know how you build the stadium they had in mind for the amount of money they had, had in mind. But as I was quoted in the newspaper saying, you could value engineer a stadium and they ought to do that. I, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's an option to spend more money than has been proposed. The path to me, you know, kind of. Uh, being a neutral party, if you will. It's hard for me to change my longstanding opinion that stadiums are not good investments of taxpayer dollars. But in any economic development deal, if the participants and the beneficiaries, in this case, they're all almost exclusively people from Atlanta. So it's out-of-town people benefiting. What I'm maintaining from the county mayor's office is if you want to come do business here, whether you're a developer or a company, I need you to make above and beyond what what has been the norm. I need you to make investments in public education. Because that's the future of our workforce. That's the ceiling of our community moving forward. And so I've been very clear with Mayor Kelly, who I think is willing to to do some things that city mayors have not previously in investing in public education. That that's, that, that's what I need to see from the South Broad deal is do they mean what they said? And a lot of the, there were a lot of commitments made that have not yet been fulfilled to Tyner. Tyner is our most challenged academic environment right now in terms of our 76 public schools. And I want to be able to say with a straight face, I didn't uh, and don't support taxpayers funding stadiums. But if we're going to and it's and we believe that it's going to lead to further development, that that development is going to fund public education beyond the status quo. Right now, that's not the case. But there is a way, I think, for that deal to be re-engineered so that there are substantial investments in, in public education. Let's talk about the uh, the Budgetel Motel, uh, the city and the county agreeing to $50,000 each to help uh, former residents of that motel, you know, get resituated. Um, you've proposed, you say you've talked with uh, the school superintendent about possibly using uh, old school facilities to house um, some of these people. How involved in that process have you been and, and what's the latest on the Budgetel, at least from your perspective at the county level? Well, I've been involved in a lot of those conversations at a number of different levels. I've gotten briefings from just about everybody involved. It's hard to tell. It's it's hard to see through the noise to where the real human needs are. Yeah. Because there's so much political narrative. Um, I, you know, I have um, met with folks who used to live at the Budget Hill. A lot of them are staying at Lookout Valley. I drove over there a couple of days ago. Like, it won't surprise you to know that's the you know kind of elected official I want to be. One who doesn't just take other people's words for it. In fact, I met a woman who's got two young children and her husband is uh, working in construction. So they're a good example of this question that has not been addressed by the, the, the advocates in the homeless community who've been raising money. And that is if you were 
evicted or if you couldn't stay at the budget hotel because it was closed, some of those people may be in a real acute place of need. Mm-hmm. Some of those people, they were all making eleven to $1,400 a month rent. Presumably, a lot of those people have the resources to just be paying for a motel room elsewhere. Mm. Well, you know, the family I encountered was in that situation. I mean, the husband was away at work on Saturday when I drove by to have some conversations. So I'm trying to ascertain how those, now that those dollars have been allocated as the county's fiscal agent, how can I ensure that they're used appropriately? Part of what I tried uh, and am still trying uh, to provide is access to rooms back in East Ridge. A part of the narrative from City Hall, uh, Chattanooga City Hall, is that folks who were displaced lost their employment as a result of being moved away from East Ridge. I've not confirmed that once yet, but I have secured 20 hotel rooms back in East Ridge for anybody who wants to be back in, into their employment. I think that's the expectations right. uh, that people who live in the county would have for me, is that if we're going to allocate money, we're going to do it in a smart way. Okay. In terms of this money, the $50,000, the rooms, uh, you know, in terms of how that would be used, uh, we had the district attorney on our show last week, your sister, Cody Womp, and, uh, and she was on record. We asked her about this. She was of kind of vocal in opposition to any kind of assistance being provided to these people. She stated very clearly on this show, I moved to shut down this place because there was too much criminal activity going on here. I don't want money being spent at the city or county level to enable these people. And I think her exact quote was, these people need to get jobs, not handouts. Um, have you had a chance to speak with her about it? Are you two at odds about what kind of assistance should be provided? No, we just have different roles. I mean, her role is not one to give assistance to people. It's, it's to keep our community safe, and I trust that she'll do that well. On the back end, I'm open to meeting real needs of people if we can identify them and it's an emergency set of circumstances. The problem I have with the money being allocated in the way that it was is that I still cannot assure either the members of the county commission or members of the public that the monies allocated are going to go to people in real need. I'm trying to do that. And then I think there's even uh, further responsibility that if, in fact, people lost their employment because they were displaced to a hotel in a different part of town, let's try to move them back to East Ridge. That's why I've reached out to friends of mine who are hotel, motel owners on Ringgold Road over there in East Ridge. And I've identified some rooms. I've yet to make the necessary connections uh, with the Homeless Coalition and those who are buying these rooms. And that's one of the meetings I've got today is to try to identify how how do we help people rather than just cut a check so that the politicians look good. Two six seven one zero two three is the telephone line. Al is on line one. Al, you're on the air with Mayor Weston. Uh, good morning, Mr. Womp. Uh, I voted for you, and I think you're doing a great job. Just keep it up through what you're doing, you and your sister. Uh, first of all, uh, I think that Mr. Reuben Taylor needs to be taken on out. I do believe there should be an investigation against him uh, because... I mean, like you said, the last time he's here, he's been milking the county for thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars for years on end. Uh, I do believe this is the same Reuben Taylor that was arrested a few years ago for shoplifting. Uh, but anyways, what I really wanted to talk to you about was the uncontrolled construction of Saudi Daisy and all points north up through there. To me, they're just destroying Saudi, and they're destroying our woodland at an alarming rate. The animals and stuff there don't really have anywhere to go. I mean, 
people here in Chattanooga, they don't care nothing about the, the little woodland creatures or the deer or anything like that. So I don't expect them to really understand. But I see nothing but destruction of our woodlands up in Saudi, and I feel that it's going to lead to more drought. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a bad idea for all this construction, and I wanted to get your opinion on it or, or have you ever really thought about it. And I'll hang up and let you answer that. Thank you, sir. Hey, the northern part of this county is beautiful. It's got a different quality of life. Uh, it's, it's kind of in the DNA from Saudi Daisy up to Sail Creek, Mowbray Mountain, Flattop Mountain. I think, you know, what I was talking about, this new planning exercise the county's going to initiate in the first quarter of the year, it's going to give us an opportunity to talk about the need to conserve and really pursue conservation efforts while we develop in a smart way. Uh, I think if we're not careful, residential development is going to degrade the quality of life in our community. At the same time, we want to provide affordable housing. It's this real balancing act. And, uh, you know, like you and I have talked about how I'm a contrarian and conservative in a lot of ways, uh, Brian. And I'm the kind of conservative who says that uh, I think conservation can be a part of residential development moving forward. I think it's particularly important in the northern part of the county that is untouched in a lot of ways. The woodlands the caller talks about. Uh, we're going to need to provide uh, opportunities for folks to uh, have homes to live in affordably, but uh, there's a way to do that and also uh, preserve the beauty of our county. Chris is online too. Chris, welcome. Thanks for calling. Yes. Um, I was wondering what the county is going to, what their plans are to do with the uh, downtown jail facility. Couldn't we turn that into uh, housing for the unhoused, uh, the people with, that don't have any homes that are out on the streets? Thanks, and t- have a great rest of the day. Good question, Chris. Uh, that that uh, that structure downtown, it's been brought to our attention a couple of times by listeners. What's uh, What's the status there? Is that not being used for anything? Well, first of all, I'll mention a project that's still in the early stages, but I met with Mayor Kelly, uh, Justin Robertson, Dr. Robertson, superintendent of the school system. Uh, I had the idea a few weeks ago that before we decommission permanently CSLA, uh, that we consider using it as a low barrier shelter for any families of public school students. So not open to anybody, but we continue to hear uh, numbers. It's hard to sort through. You know, there's, there's differing and in, in, in some cases wildly varying de- definitions of homelessness, but they're are certainly concerns about student homelessness that we all share. Uh, and so I had this idea that the ca- this county facility could be repurposed, um, not permanently, but for, uh, you know, a medium term, for a couple of years. And so that's a project that we're pursuing this week. I'm going to visit it with engineers, and we're going to take a look at what would have to happen in order to open up that facility uh, to serve families in need. Uh, the jail is a, a little more complex. It has, uh, in fact, we just had a, a pretty major uh, maintenance issue developed there. The structure is strong. It can't really be, uh, you know, in, the, in a way that I think CSLA could, for example, the old facility that, that students are, are now out of since public schools entered the Christmas holiday here. So we'll see. Uh, I, I think there is uh, an opportunity for the, uh, the county to do something really significant uh, and important with the jail, uh, reimagine it for the future. It is a a pretty hardy structure, bringing it down would be a nightmare. Um, but it's going to require a pretty significant investment, probably a public-private partnership. All right. We have Newton on line one. Newton, welcome to the show. 
Uh, yes, sir. Thank you for taking the call. The homeless situation seems to be increasing daily. Uh, my question to the mayor would be, could we not use some of the facilities that the county owns that are not being used at this time, repurpose those, give these folks some training, and then partner with the local business communities uh, to get these people back into the workforce and rather than giving them a, a handout, give them a helping hand uh, to reintegrate them by maybe increasing some of their skills because we see where small businesses in need of uh, people all the time. Newton, uh, help on the signs. That's my question. Yeah, we we appreciate the phone call, uh, Mayor Womp. I think you already addressed like that the uh, trying to step in and address the housing end of things. But to the other point of uh, Newton's trying to make there, you know, is there anything at the city or county level that you can point to incentives in place to try to get uh, homeless people? Uh, jobs, you know, workforce opportunities, initiatives that are in place at the government level to uh, to get these people back in jobs. Yeah, and what you'll find is there are ministries and other organizations serving this population incredibly well. They are short on space, like warm space, where you can help people. And so that's one of the reasons that I think uh, the county and the city and the school system could end up partnering here uh, for a, a facility focused on the families of students, I think we all have a particular concern. Uh, you know, you look at temperatures dropping to the, to the lows we're looking at here in the next week. In winter, you think about children. This is a community that we all ought to mobilize all resources to, to serve. Um, and, and, and I think what, we, what you can see there is you're enabling some of these great ministries to uh, just expand the work that they're already doing. And a lot of it is... Uh, a helping hand up. I, I think people would be encouraged if they knew uh, the extent of the work that is ongoing across the community. We just need to pour fuel on the fire, uh, enabling these organizations to serve people and lift them up into work.